I hope that this lesson today will give you confidence and assurance that you have victory in God through his might and his, and his strength and through Jesus Christ. And today I want to talk to you about being a soldier of Christ. That old song, Soldiers of Christ, Arise and Put Your Armor On. I love that one. Have you ever felt sometimes that what's going on in your life is out of the norm? It just doesn't seem like to be the normal thing. Well, why am I so angry over this particular thing? Why is this causing me so much agitation? Why, why am I feeling so much stress? Why is it that of all days the kids found my last nerve, right? <laughs> why is it that I feel this bitterness rising up in my spirit or that I just can't let go and forgive that person? Or I just can't move forward. I'm just stuck there. I just can't get over what's going on. I'm so offended. Why is it I feel so distant from others? Why is it that doubt is creeping in? Where I used to have a real strong belief. I think those are just some examples. And sometimes you have things happen to you because of poor choices and poor decisions, either on your part or what someone else has done to you. But other times you're involved in a spiritual battle, aren't you? Spiritual warfare. How do you know the difference? I'm not sure. But I do know that the Bible tells you to be prepared in season, out of season. We should prepare ourselves for spiritual warfare every day of our life to put on that armor because we've been called to be soldiers of Christ, to rise that occasion, to put on that armor. Last week we talked about taking Ephesians chapter 6 and we read chapter 6 and 10 and following, and there it told us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We talked about taking our stand in the strength of the Lord, to put on the whole armor of God, which we're talking about today, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places." Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to risk, resist in the evil day, and having done all, stand your ground. Soldiers of Christ, arise. So Paul tells us here we have an opposition. He's a devil who schemes and he has strategies. Make sure you're on the right side of this battle. Because who's the one who has the real power? Who's the one that's going to have the victory? Who's the one that's going to win this battle? It's going to be God. Be on that right side and take a stand. Take a stand in his might. Put on the armor that he's provided for you. Keep on fighting the good fight. Listen, the devil loves to attack your friendships. He'll attack your marriage. He'll attack you on the job. He'll attack your um, purity. He'll attack your integrity. He'll attack your character. He even attacks the church, doesn't he? He even attacked Jesus Christ. He uses all sorts of things. He'll use envy and pride and jealousy and lust and emotions and our insecurities and doubt and division and disappointment and discouragement. And he really loves to use fear. He really use, loves to use fear. We're going to talk about that today as well. Paul describes for us the enemy. But his focus is not on the enemy here. His focus is upon our mighty God. Our victorious God. And what I love about God is what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. If God is for us, then who can be what? Against us. 
What can you say about all that? If God is for us, who can be against us? Soldiers of Christ, take your stand. Soldiers of Christ, arise. God has given us this armor. There's six pieces to it, plus the very important part of praying together. And so I want to begin with a word of prayer. And let's go into this armor, okay? Good, good Father, thank you for preparing for us in armor. It's everything we need to be overcomers in life. We receive your full armor knowing that with you we can stand and overcome every obstacle in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for your promise of victory. I choose to take my eyes off the challenges and to focus on you. Thank you for equipping me with your armor so that I can stand strong in you. Good Father, thank you for empowering us to overcome every obstacle, every enemy. Help us to choose to magnify you over every obstacle we face. Thank you for preparing and paving the way to victory in every area of our life. Father, you're in heaven. You rule the heavenly realms. We open our hearts and minds to you. Uh, we receive your blessings and favor and ask you that you direct our every step. Show us your ways so that we can walk with you today and always. Father, we thank you so much for the word you've given us, which strengthens us and protects us, our sword that's offensive and defensive as well. Thank you for speaking truth to our hearts. Help us to hear your voice and listen to you clearly so we can live a life that's pleasing to you. Good, good Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who is fighting our battles for us. Give us the faith to hold on to your promises and claim victory in your name. Instead of worrying, instead of being stressed and agitated, give us your peace that passeth all understanding and keep us calm and victorious in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're a soldier of Christ. You're to rise to that occasion. And Paul says, look, when you read about what it means to have the armor of God, you can have knowledge. And knowledge is power. Now knowledge is truth. You can know who God is. You can know your enemy. You can have confidence that God is superior, that God's weapons, his uh, armor, everything about him is far superior to anything the devil can throw against you. You can know that you have his protection. He's there to protect you. That So when you stand, you can, can remain standing uh, firm on the ground that God has placed you upon. You also know that in this whole area of warfare, you have this communication channels that are always open. You're never cut off from God. You always have that clear connection to him through prayer as we pray for each other to be strong in the Lord. We have that strength. We have that force. He tells us, soldiers of Christ, arise. So in verse 13, we read this, to put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against what? The devil's schemes. Has the devil been scheming against you this week? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. But it's against, and here is the devil's strategies here, his hierarchy, of the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Now, when you read that and you see that, that could cause fear in you, couldn't it? Uh, this is located in the heavenly realm. So we're told here to stand in our faith, to trust God, to do what he says. But we could read this, and this could make us very fearful, couldn't it? Uh, in the heavenly realm, what does that mean? All those forces, all those schemes are against me. What chance do I have? 
I like what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. For God has not given us the what? The spirit of fear. Spirit of fear. That's what the devil uses against you. But of power, of love, and of sound mind. That's what he's given you. Timothy was overwhelmed. He was discouraged. He was a little bit fearful about what was going on in that church at Ephesus. And God, Paul tells Timothy, no. Don't be filled with fear. But rather you have this power of love and of sound mind that God has given you. Do you believe that God has equipped you with everything you need to win the battle? Do you believe that God is taking care of you? You see, sometimes we get full of fear because we look at the obstacles. We look at what's facing us, and we're overwhelmed by that. And we're kind of like the people uh, of Rahab's day, when Joshua and Rahab were there, there at the time. And here's the story of Joshua and Rahab. The story there in Joshua chapter 2 is that Joshua is now the leader of the Israelites, and they've now crossed into the promised land. I want you to see the next slide. And there in the promised land, they're just 12 miles away from Jericho. This very strong walled city that's fortified. And so Joshua sends two spies to go to Jericho to find out the lay of the land, to get some strategies that are going to take place. And as they're there, uh, sent to Jericho, they go to Rahab, the innkeeper, and there they're, there they're staying. Uh, however, a report gets out that there are some spies from Israel that's in the inn. And when the king of Jericho hears about this, he sends now the soldiers to arrest those spies. Somehow or another, Rahab gets wind of the fact that the spies are about to be arrested. So she takes them to the rooftop and she hides them in the straw. Remember that story? And there she hides them and the soldiers show up. And she tells the soldiers and she lies to them and says, Look, uh, yeah, they were here, but sometime... They left, and they went, uh, I'm not sure where they went. <laughs> okay. But instead of betraying them, she protects them. And then after the soldiers are gone, she gets with the two spies, and here's what she says. I know that the Lord has given you this land. Now listen to this. And that a great fear of you has what? Fallen on us, so that those who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Because of you. And then she lowered the men down the wall as they were now able to escape and go back to Joshua and give the report. But before they give that report, they said, look, when we come to take this town, you make sure that in your window there's a scarlet robe and you'll be protected when we come. And that's exactly what happened. And Rahab was protected. And she becomes finally part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, doesn't she? Beautiful story there. But the story I want to point out here is that the spies were going, somewhat out of fear, trying to find out what the land was about. And when they get there, they find out that their enemy was the one that was full of what? They were fearful. They were melting with fear. What's taking you so long to get here? Right? And I think sometimes we let the obstacles that face us, the things that we're going through in life, the battles that we're going through, to so overwhelm us that we become fearful of them. When in reality, the devil knows that if you'll bring God's might and power towards that, it's going to melt away because of God's almighty power. That's why I love Romans 8. It says that you are more than a what? You're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loves you. More than a conqueror. Perfect love casts out fear. When you have fear, love the Lord God more. Trust in him more. That's why the Bible says fear not, fear not, fear not. Instead of fear, have faith. Because there in that spiritual battle in the heavenly realm, you can trust and have your faith in God. Because God protects and he provides. 
I want you to look in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, 4 through 5. This is a spiritual warfare that's taking place. And here Paul says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to do what? To demolish strongholds. So we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Jesus Christ. Now, those strongholds that need to be demolished are the schemes and the strategies of the devil that are coming against you in the heavenly realm. People ask me, can Christians be demon-possessed? There's no example in the Bible where Christians are demon-possessed. Is there demon possession? Yes. But you know what? There's more demon oppression than there is demon possession. Demon possession, Job was oppressed by the demons. In Luke chapter 13, the woman that is there physical with a physical ailment is not demonically possessed, but she is oppressed by the spirit of infirmity. And I think in our lives, when Paul talks about this idea of demonic oppression, we as Christians can go through that. And Paul calls it here a stronghold. It's a stronghold that gets into your heart and to your, into your mind. The devil doesn't know everything about you. The devil's not everywhere. The devil can't see everything. The devil cannot read your mind, but he can sense your fear. He can sense your worry. He can sense your pride, your anger. He senses that, and he can work through it. That's his opening. I think you sometimes say, well, what are those strongholds? How do I know I've had these strongholds? Well, here's a chart I think that's pretty interesting. You, you can know signs of strongholds that are built in your mind, your will, and your emotions <clears throat> when you stop listening to the Word of God. When, you believe, when your belief in God has been shaken, when your desires are way out of control, when you have now a rebellious attitude and actions, and when your relationships begin to suffer. Now, strongholds can be put into the heart of a Christian and into the mind of a Christian. And when, those, when they get there, the devil launches his attack. It affects your listening to the word. It shakes your faith. It gets your desires out of control. Uh, rebellious in your attitude and actions. And relationships suffer. Not to mention physically. Sometimes there's that spiritual battle. And so we talk about this. And this is the stronghold. But here's the good news. Did you notice? What does God do to those strongholds? If that's in you right now, what will God do with it? See the word? Starts with a D. Say it with me. Demolish them and bring you back to Jesus Christ. So you're not without hope. This is what God wants to do for you. You live in a physical and spiritual world. There's a physical and spiritual battle. And that's why it says in verse 13, you put on this full armor of God because you are against forces that are at work of evil in the heavenly realm. That's scary. That could be fearful to us. But I want you to notice something. This word heavenly places or heavenly realm in verse 16 of chapter 6. When you look at that, it can be overwhelming. But I want you to see the context. Does Paul use this phrase anywhere else in Ephesians? Is this the only place where he uses in the heavenly realm? Well, I think you already know the answer. If I brought it up... <laughs> It's not the only place. I want you to go back to verse 1, verse 3. I want you to see who's in the heavenly realm besides the devil. Okay? Praise be the God and our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the what? Heavenly realms with what? 
every spiritual blessing in Christ. Oh, the devil, with his schemes and tactics are in the heavenly realm. But guess who's there? God is there. And guess what's there? Your spiritual blessings. What spiritual blessings? Every spiritual blessing that you have. Well, what are those heavenly spiritual blessings? Well, read Ephesians 1. You're chosen by God. You're loved by God. God has made you holy. You're adopted into his family. You're redeemed by God. You're accepted by God. You are forgiven by God. You have the riches of God's grace. You have that eternal inheritance. You have the Holy Spirit as a down, as a down payment. And you have access to God's power. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. Are you as fearful now as you were before? That's not all. Look who else is in the heavenly realm. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 and following. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, his incomparably great power for us to believe. Now watch. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at where? His right hand where? In the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and dominion. Does that include the devil? Absolutely. And every name that is named or invoked, and not only in this present age, but where? Also in the age to come. Devil's in the heavenly realm. So is God. And every spiritual blessing you have, and so is Jesus Christ, who rules in the heavenly realm. Everyone is under his authority. The devil, his angels may attack, but they're inferior to who Jesus Christ is. Everyone is under Christ's rule. Soldiers of Christ, arise. Put that armor on because you're on God's side. You're on the right side. That's what it says. Now, keep going. Ephesians 2, 6 through 7. Notice what else it says. And God raises up with Christ. Notice where are you seated? Seated us where? With him in where? The heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness in Christ Jesus. Where's your position? You're of Jesus Christ. Where are you seated? Right next to him. Everything. You are observing. You are part of this spiritual battle. You have every spiritual blessing. You have Jesus Christ as ruler. You are seated at his right hand. Do you feel better now about the spiritual battle? Doesn't that just take the fear away? Are, are y'all with me this morning? You're sitting there. I mean, this is dynamic stuff. This is what you need to bring to your battle against whatever you're battling today. I have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Jesus Christ is a ruler of all. And I'm seated right next to him. And we're going to win this battle. We're going to have this victory that's there. It just gets better. Ephesians 3, 10 through 12. His intent was that now through the church. Who's the church? You are church, all right? The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities where? In the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Folks, God is using you. You are church to fight against the schemes and the strategies of the devil. Not by your might, not by your power, 
but by his might, God's might, and God's power. That's why he gives you every spiritual blessing. He gives you everything that you need that pertains to godliness. He reminds you that Christ is ruling and that the church, the church belongs to Lord Jesus Christ and has a mission upon this world. What is that? To accomplish the purposes of God, to approach our life with freedom and confidence to do what God has called us to do. We're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Amen? This is what God has called us to do. Therefore, it says in Ephesians 6, put on that full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand in your ground and after you've done everything to stand. How can I do that? I love Psalm 84, verse 11. Psalm 84, verse 11. The Lord God is my son and my shield. The Lord will give me grace and glory. He will not withhold any good thing to those who are doing right. Do you believe that? That's what God has promised to do for us. And so he says here in Ephesians 13, 6, 13, Ephesians 6, 13 I'll get out in just a moment, all right? He says, look, put on this full armor. You put on this full armor that God has provided for you. But guess what? You've got to do what? You've got to put it on. Otherwise, it stays in your closet. You can't keep it here on Sunday morning and wear what you want to Monday through Saturday. You've got to put on that armor. You've got to practice and train in that armor. Right? If you just put it on on a Sunday and expect to be able to use it Monday through Saturday and you never use it throughout the week and train in it, you're never going to be able to use it. That's why the Bible says you go from milk to the meat of God's Word. You train yourself in it. You're prepared for it. You're alert and you are ready. So here's Paul in this armor that he has. He sees it. Paul's in prison when he writes this, isn't he? Remember? You know who's guarding him? A Roman soldier. And as he sees the Roman soldiers that are guarding him, you know what he sees? The full armor and the might of the Roman government. But you know what? He says, oh, you guys may be strong. You may think that's a great armor. But man, this reminds me of the armor of God. So he starts looking at all those pieces on that armor of God, plus that one of prayer, and he begins to talk about being fully protected, how we can resist the devil, how we can stand firm in God's might and God's armor, and that God's power is superior and overwhelming force against the devil. And so here's what he says, first of all, in verse 14. So he looks at the armor, he goes, I want you then to put the belt of truth around your waist. The belt of truth around your waist. Truth is power. Truth is power. Not opinions, not theories. But what do you put around your waist? Truth. Truth, let it surround you. Belt of truth holds everything together. Why, even the sheath for the sword, which is the word of God, is in that belt of truth. It's all connected. Find truth, seek the truth. Because the devil has filled this world with a bunch of lies, hasn't he? A bunch of lies. And here Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. He says that the word of God is truth. It's the word of God. The devil, that's why the devil spends so much time attacking God's word, right? You say, well, the Bible says, and people laugh at you. Or you, talk, you quote the word of God, and they think that's irrelevant. It's not for our time. That it's just a faith book any other faith book, that there's real, this is just full of myths, right? The devil's done a good job of attacking the Word of God. The Word of God is truth about who Jesus is. 
The Word of God is truth about what can God do and what He's continuing to do. But you need to recognize that you live in a world that has so many things about truth that's hard to accept. Truth is not always, go back to the first one here, truth is not always believable just because it's truth. You ever told somebody the truth that I don't believe that? Right? Truth is not always believable just because it's true. Truth is not always relevant just because it's interesting, just because it's true. Truth is not always interesting just because it's true. And truth is not always acted upon just because it's true. That's the truth. <laughs> the truth can set you free, but only if you apply it. So truth is not always believable. It's not always relevant. It's not always interesting. And truth is not always acted upon. And yet, what should we do every day of our life? Round us, surround ourselves with what? Truth. Truth. It's relevant. It's believable. I'm going to act upon it. Truth is power. Truth is the one that leads us in terms of our direction. In Psalms, it says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my what? Path. You know why you need that belt of truth? To hold everything together? To know where you're going to go. And when you get there. That second piece is so beautiful. It's a breastplate of righteousness that's in place. That breastplate of rest. We are rational and emotional people. Both of those things make up who we are. It forms who we are. Do you see the word righteousness? What do you see? One little word in the word righteousness. Go back. Slide, sorry. See the word righteous. In righteousness, you see the word right, don't you? In Christ, God makes you right. It helps us make the right choices, the right decisions, the right direction, the right emotions, the right feelings that we need in life. Because the devil attacks our feelings. He attacks our emotions. He fills us with guilt. He makes us think that we're unworthy. And what he tries to do is he attacks our heart, doesn't he? And the heart, we're told, is to be guarded because it's the, it's the fountain of life. The devil, if we leave that unprotected, it's going to go in there and poison that well. He's going to attack our feelings, our emotions, and he's going to make us feel like things aren't right. That's why I love Psalm 37 through 39. It says that the salvation of the righteous is from whom? The Lord. See, why is that? Be Christ, because Christ is my righteousness. I have peace with God. I've been made right with God. I don't have to feel any more guilt I don't have to feel guilt about past sins. I don't, I don't want the devil to rob me of the joy of my righteousness. How about you? I don't want to live in a state of feeling I'm not worthy or that things aren't right or I failed God. Because you don't have to feel that way. And you shouldn't feel that way. You should not be beating yourself up every day. Oh, I'm just a miserable. I just failed God today. No. That's not why Jesus died. Jesus died so he says, I made you right. Walk by grace. Put on that breastplate of righteousness. Protect yourself from that devil because he's going to try to destroy your heart. But you also got to wear the right shoes, don't you? The right shoes of, of peace that's found there in Ephesians 6.15. Put on your feet the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. How many of you have more than five pairs of shoes in your closet? Several hands went up. How many of you have at least five pairs of gym shoes or tennis shoes? <laughs> Several hands there go, all right. All sorts of shoes for all sorts of occasions, right? 
But here, the shoes are so important for the soldier. Firm footing, balance in warfare. Those long marches. Those of you there in the military doing long marches, just march, march, march. Got through, you had to do some more marching. I see some smiles. Had to have those right shoes, don't you? What are those shoes? It's the gospel of what? Gospel of peace. What does the word gospel mean? Good news. What's part of the good news of the gospel? It's peace. It's the peace that God gives. It's the peace that passes all understanding. How many saw Zion Williamson, this Duke player? The next slide there. You know what happened to a few weeks ago? He was playing against North Carolina. Within just a few seconds of the game starting, he made a turn and his shoe flew out. Remember that story? He missed three to four weeks of the season. He's back and he's just full tilt, going crazy in the, in the tournament. But this Nike shoe, boy, they got some bad press for a few weeks, didn't they? <laughs> All right? But that shoe just blew out and it hurt his knee for about three or four weeks. Now, incidentally, I thought this was a little bit interesting because what is the mascot for, the de- uh, for, the, for Duke? The Blue Demons, right? I said, man, there's a sermon illustration. <laughs> All right? So it's just coincidental, the, the blue demons are the devil, all right? <laughs> but here, the devil wants to cause us to slip. He wants our gospel shoes to blow out, right? He wants to injure us. He wants us to, to get us in a state of worry and fear and doubt and rob us of the peace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Agitated, stressed, worried, upset, bent out of shape, offended over everything, and we lose that peace. And he injures us and he tries to destroy us. I like what Moses said in Exodus chapter 14. The Lord shall fight for you while you hold your peace. I want my shoes of my armor to be in the peace of Jesus Christ for that spiritual protection. When the gospel shoes are peace are put on, then I know that I have the peace of God that passeth all understanding. I know I should be upset. I know I should be agitated. I know I should be worried about this. I know I'm not sure how things are going to turn out. But I have a peace about this. Where did that come from? You put on the right pair of shoes. 